You're listening to episode 48 of the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Lazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I'll share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com and we'll continue today uh, to discuss about EQMS. Last week we had uh, discussed about the EQMS implementation, so mainly when you are starting to have a new project or maybe transitioning from a first EQMS to a second one. Uh, so we define really all the different steps that you have to follow. Uh, and this week, we will discuss about an EQMS validation. And again, I have with me Jakob Sjorslev from, from Simpler QMS. So he's the CEO and founder of Simpler QMS. Uh, and he will help us really to understand how to validate an electronic quality management system. So Jakob, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Thank you, Monia, and it is, and we appreciate that we can be a part of this podcast. Great. So thank you for that. So as I said, so you, last week you had already told us a lot about uh, electronic quality management system implementation. Uh, so this week we really go on the validation because I think there are some specific rules now related to validation. So why an EQMS or a software that is really managing documentations for your quality management system uh, needs to be validated? Yeah, you can say that uh, the latest version of the ISO standard 13485 actually states uh, from 2016 that uh, if you're using uh, a uh, computer program uh, as part of your QMS system, then you have to do validation uh, it's not very specific on how to validate, but it uh, kind of raises that requirement. Then uh, there's also an older uh, guideline with the Annex 11 that also specifies validation, uh, which is a EU guideline. And then the 21 CFR part 11, uh, which is a very old requirement, actually states that uh, if you're using a closed system and so on, then you have to do validation. Okay, so mainly uh, there is a lot of requirements in terms of uh, validation, but um, as you mentioned for the ISO, they just tell you that you have to validate it, but you yes. don't know specifically how to yeah. do that. So you have to convince uh, the auditors for the ISO that uh, your system is validated. So uh, yes. then maybe the question, the next question can be, how can we do that? How can a manufacturer, a medical device manufacturer, uh, convince an auditor that his software is fine, is protected, and there is no kind of uh, way to hack it or to update or to change information that are inside without really kind of uh, a, a trail or an audit trail. You can say that if you're trying to define validation, it's kind of uh, focusing that you have confidence that the intended use uh, that it is reliable, and uh, you can uh, and you can ensure that every time you're using this uh, system, it will use in a uh, it 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 will function in a very specific way. So um, that's actually validation, uh, and you're totally right that I see many questions out there about how do I do validation, and and just uh, a 
som bruger sine uh, standard is that ISO actually came out in 2018, I think, with a technical report, uh, 80,002 part 2, which actually explains in details how to do validation. So if you want a starting point, you want to do validation on yourself, this is, this is a starting point. Uh, it, it just, I'll, just maybe for that, so are we uh, on, on this ISO that you are mentioning, so is it something that is specific for EQMS or it's for all software that you have maybe no. for a company? It's for quality management systems. Okay. So, so it's very specific. And you can also say that uh, I saw your podcast with uh, some other people that did uh, validation of, um, according to ISO 60,000 and something, it's for uh, if the medical device itself is a software or if you have software which is a part of the medical device, then you have to go by this standard. Yeah, but I remember it's, it's, uh, it was, I think, the episode with uh, Bill Stam and Rafael yes. Blanco related uh, from exactly. General Digital Software and Services. So, uh, so, yeah, they were talking mainly about product validation. I think I, I touched a bit, really a bit about the quality management true. system or some software validation that are more uh, system validation, but we really were focused on this episode. Yeah. So if you want to go but into episode also, 11, and uh, you can really have a look of uh, what we are discussing about that, yeah. Yeah, and you can also take one of the parts that they mentioned uh, in that episode was actually that when you are doing on quality management system, it is kind of uh, an easier task and you have to focus on the intended use and the use cases. That is actually uh, the part. And it makes it kind of doable and more easy. And it actually also make, means that uh, the company uh, will be doing use cases that is aligned with how they're using the software in the daily business, which actually means that this kind of testing is actually very good for them for uh, the training purposes as well. Okay, so um, when we are saying um, what is the intended use of the software and everything, so if we say, for example, the software is for storing documents, so we are trying to make the validation of how the software is storing documents, protecting documents. Uh, if it is about um, uh, access to uh, to the information, we are checking if uh, the access is can be correctly done with the password, uh, login, etc. Is it is it that that we are talking about? Are we doing a, a list of all what is linked to the intended use? Um. You can say that there are requirements in the regulation and uh, this specific area that you're tapping into now uh, regarding uh, ensuring the identity. These are some of the part 11 requirements, actually. So uh, you're totally right that you have to uh, see that if you enter the system, that it prompts for a password, that the password is, is uh, private. There's a procedure that every three months that it asks for a new password. And also that if you enter the wrong password, that you don't get access. Actually. Yeah. So this is this is this is some kind of the basic testing that you do, but you also go through um, the process that. So if you have this for document management system, you go through kind of authoring process, uh, building it on a template, uh, going into review, capturing review, uh, seeing that uh, people's uh, capturing of review is actually uh, made as a record. Uh, you go through approval and you also see that the files or the records that the system is is, uh, is uh, intended to produce, that it actually produces these files in a constant manner every single time you do it. Okay, yeah, so it's mainly uh, 
that uh, yeah there is no um, no changes when we are doing an action the action is consistent if you do three times four times ten times it will be exactly the same result uh, which helped if I can say to to prove that the system is not uh, is not changing their mind like I suppose it's like uh, artificial intelligence uh, because it's a system that is learning each time so it can change maybe uh, some of the other things here it's really should be constant static fixed and uh, we have really the same yes. result each time yeah, because one of the things that uh, these processes are also that uh, it, 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 you can see there are also some requirements that there's a kind of uh, a range and order of operations that has to be done in a specific way. You cannot release a new document without approving it. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so you have to kind of go through these steps and, and, and uh, so yeah. So these are some of the uh, the uh, details. But uh, I would like to uh, to actually start that that the first thing you actually need to do when you when you uh, decide is do I actually need to do validation or not? Because okay. uh, you have to. So you have to do a regular sorry criticality assessment where you actually look at if uh, if the intended use is um, a part of the regulation so if it so if it is part of, of uh, the regulation then uh, you have to do validation and then after you have decided if you have to do validation if the answer is yes then the, actually the next next question is do you need part 11 compliance meaning that uh, is this system something that captures electronic uh, approvals so you can actually have a validated system that is not part 11, but you cannot have a part 11 compliance system that isn't validated. That's okay. Impossible. So it's really interesting. So um, you have really, uh, you, you, you are not just heading up to the validation. You are really making kind of a diagnostic of it yes. uh, situation yes. to, to check what really needs to be validated or not, or if it needs to be validated. Because yeah, when you said yes. the first thing, does it need to be validated means that we can say yes or we can say no. So it's not like a mandatory yes. to say, yes, we are, we are, we have to be validated. And, and it, it, it is also when you go through this exercise, you also become very specific about what is the intended use. And uh, the intended use also goes into uh, the risk analysis that you also have to do in order to actually say, okay, what can go wrong if I, if, uh, if the process that I have inside of the system will actually fail. Okay, so um, then we have um, a software. We need to ask ourselves if we need to validate it or not. We need to really ask ourselves what is the intended use of this software and then really match this with the validations. Um, then we start, if I can say, to do the validation. So we start to um, do all the tests needed. Uh, but as soon as it's done and we have finalized those validations, so are we done or is there some other actions to do? Uh, you, you, you can say that you cannot just, uh, because validation is not just equal to testing. Okay. Uh, I think that's, that's very, very important. So actually, <clears throat> when, you, uh, when you first uh, reach the decision that you need to do validation, you actually need to write a validation plan. Okay. And this kind of specifies um, the activities that you are planning, uh, also, why you're doing these activities, and it also defines the kind of responsibilities. Um, when you have this, um, and you also have uh, the risk analysis, uh, you also uh, have this. You make this kind of install plan because you have to understand there are some kind of uh, infrastructure that you need to establish. 
So you have this ins installation uh, plan, and you also uh, have this specific document that's called the installation qualification. And this is because that uh, you're operating on a qualified environment. You cannot you cannot have a validated uh, application that that is not running on a, an, a on a qualified uh, environment. So the installation qualification is documenting what have I installed at what time and that some kind of expert actually signed for that he actually tested that it was working at, as intended after the installation process. It's so this also is also about versions, timing, who did what, and approvals. It's, it's also something that uh, when, you, when you get a software or something, they are saying to you, here are the, um, the requirements in terms of, of the machine or that will uh, get yes. the software. It should be Windows 10 or it should be yes. this number of RAM and this and that. This is mainly the information you will have also on the installation qualification to say, yes, I respected the uh, supplier or the, the, yes. the vendor requirements to install this product, so I didn't put that in an old machine or something that is not really compatible to it. Yes. So, um, in terms of validation, it's one thing. So, I suppose there are a lot of updates also that are happening uh, with software. So, we need to be a little bit more kind of specific on the validation because uh, one of the things that's very important is training. So, the first thing as part of the validation is actually uh, being specific about who needs to be trained and what. Okay. So you have different processes. You kind of map out who needs to be trained in what. And at that point of time, you can also make a kind of uh, an overview about uh, the training material that you will be using for these people. And, 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 and training is very, very important because just as I said in the first uh, podcast that we did, is that building the local competences in the company that's implementing this system that is the key thing that the, that the company should be working on. Because it, when you have something that people really understand, they're happy with it, it works every single time, and it will be efficient. And when we are say, talking about training, so for example, we have the administrator of the software that has a, a, tra a specific training, uh, the creator of documents, the approver of documents will have a specific training, and the one yes. that is only reading the documents will have another specific training. So it yeah, depends really right. on what is the function of each user that we have a degree of, uh, of information related to the yeah. user. Product. Is correct? Yeah. That's, that's correct. And uh, so you have first the training plan and later in the project you actually record the actual uh, kind of training. And then uh, back to one of the things you start mentioning, then the testing. Because you cannot just say go test the software. Okay. You actually have to, t you have to build uh, the test protocols and this is totally the same if you are building an medical device. Is you actually go into OQ and uh, PQ where you have a, uh, an approved test protocol that, that totally specs out what are you testing, what are the uh, expected uh, outcomes of, uh, of uh, the testing, and you actually have this uh, template for capturing the results. And, and here it's actually important that you actually do the testing in the real uh, environment that is kind of alike uh, what will be used uh, when we go for production. And it also means that involving some of the users uh, because we need to see it actually working uh, in their specific uh, environment. So you write out the protocols. You actually also do training for the users that are participating uh, on doing uh, the testing. And then you, then you record 
the test re results, and out of that comes some kind of observations that you, that you need to act on. Okay, so at this point, I think then we have kind of uh, finalized the, the the setup of the program, and we have everything that is can be used by the people, so they can start to make. I mean, to use it because they are trained. The software is validated, and everything is. That's, that's one one thing you. That's one thing you. Sorry, that's one thing we need, and that's the plan for the cutover, because you have some kind of procedure today, and you're going so. Uh, so I, I, I kind of normally say on the Friday, we will be closing down your old process and your old kind of record keeping system. And on Monday, we will start up and, and whatever you're left in the old environment, you will be expecting to find in the new environment. And here you have uh, kind of and um, uh, the set of activities you have to go through uh, in order to make that code over. So you actually close down and ensure that the old files in the old locations can be read but cannot be updated and you move everything into the new uh, environment so that everything that is needed for operating in the new system is actually in there. Okay. And this cutover plan is actually also part of the testing because you normally try the cutover plan in order to actually see if the cutover will actually work. And at that point of time, after doing the cutover, there is a meeting with the people in charge of the company where you make a decision if you go live or not, because you still have an opportunity to, to fall back to the old process. But if you say, we're all good to go, then you go live and then you are, and then you are in business. Yeah, so uh, from the beginning to the end, how long approximately we can have for, for this type of validation? Um, it can actually be all down to almost Two weeks, it can take five weeks, but it also depends on if it's a huge organization with a lot of history and if you go down that road where you are having a bigger scope, uh, then you know, of course it will take uh, more time. But, but actually running the tests uh, is not something that is very, very uh, time consuming. Uh, and, but it also depends on the software that you're using. If it is something that was designed custom build for this organization because in those kind of situations you normally find more observations you need to, to uh, take care of. It's a very uh, established system that has been used in a lot of different places. Then you often see very few mistakes and then you can easily go into uh, kind of production uh, and, and then it will only take weeks. Okay, so I think it's really interesting. So it's not like uh, um, a process uh, validation with a product. It's uh, it's really taking um, less time than that because here we have uh, also some some processes like uh, when I'm talking about processes, more about uh, like a sterilization process or cleaning process where we have all the tests to be done, but also the lab result, uh, results, etc. Mm -hmm. et here we have really everything that can be done at one place. Uh, and with a shorter time. Um, yes. Now that we have everything in place, um, there is one risk or one thing that can happen is about um, changes to the software, changes yes. to the environment, changes to something that you already validated. So I think here we have also to think about revalidation. Yes. Uh, you're kind of, uh, you can say that there are kind of two schools uh, for the validation. And uh, I can say that I was probably brought up on the first one where you validate 
and then you just try to keep everything stable so you don't have to do any validation and you okay. only do validation when you have a gun to your head okay uh, but uh, the problem uh, that we see right now is that not applying updates uh, to system patching it and so on it creates um, openings and weaknesses in the software and we unfortunately see reports from some companies that uh, they get hacked um, and uh, that they get into uh, trouble. So actually having um, a process where you are prepared for changes and where you say, where you see changes as something that is good is actually something that uh, that uh, you need uh, to, uh, uh, to go into. And on the, on the company that I run, we are working in the cloud. So uh, we do updates at least every month. Uh, and that means that uh, having a process for change control, having uh, templates uh, and a process for doing revalidation constantly is something we need. And that was something I needed to learn how to actually uh, establish. But, but going with the concept of change is good, that's, that's something that, 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 that companies uh, should try to adapt to. Okay. Now I think it's uh, it's 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 important that to to notice that here yeah, that um, when you have finalized this kind of project, you should also all think of making it stable and not changing at all anything so that you are in the safe side. But yeah, with all as as you mentioned, all the updates that are happening with maybe Windows or with Mac or with all the things, so it can be important to keep your system updated and that there is no no hacking if I can say that can happen to it. Um, and more importantly, because also it's on the cloud, as you mentioned, so it's not like something that is based inside the company. So there yeah. are also some um, uh, weaknesses also uh, that can happen yes. if you are not updating your system. Yeah. Um, in terms of um, audits now, so tomorrow I have an auditor that arrived to my company. He sits down and he's telling yes. me, can you <laughs> show me the validation of your EQMS? Yeah. <laughs> what should I start yeah. to show him? What is the first thing I should start to show him? First, uh, for me, I for can, me first, I will just suggest, maybe first is first the procedure for software validation. Is it something that uh, you can that show? That won't, yeah, yeah, of course we could, we could show that, but for that won't be the first thing he will be asking for. Okay. He will be asking for the certificate of validation. Okay. And uh, so, so, uh, so one, one thing you have is that whoever validated this for you, if you did it yourself or if you had a company that did it for you, um, they will do a validation report. And what also goes on top of this is the validation uh, certificate. It is kind of a one page uh, that kind of uh, points to some of the key references of the documents. It also lists kind of versions and uh, so on. But it's, uh, and, and I can actually tell you that I was with one of our customers last week. Uh, where they said, well, we are getting audited. Uh, and I was kind of uh, available at the time. And 20 minutes into the audits, they came for me saying, well, they want to see proof of validation. And I say, okay, that's no problem. So the first thing she asked for was the certificate. Then she wanted to see the report. Then she wanted to see the validation plan. Okay. So there's kind of, um, there are some key deliverables that you, that you have to have available. And based on, the auditor's preferences and ideas, they might dig into further into the documentation. So having a validation certificate, validation report, validation plan, if you have made an external audit, 
during the project about somebody external checking for this. That's also something that's good. But then proof of testing, test conclusions, uh, the filled out test protocols, uh, the risk uh, analysis and the conclusions of that. Uh, these are these are all documentations based on how deep the auditor goes, and you have some that just sees the validation certificate and they're happy. Others go nuts and go down into the paper stack. As you as you said, so it depends on the auditors because uh, you have some auditors that are really maybe um, um, specialized in software yes. or specialized in yes. those kind of field, and uh, so they like also to see those kind of documents and read them and uh, ask questions about it and why you haven't done this, why you haven't done that. Yes. And I suppose there are also some auditors that are not really specialized in all the development or design of a, a quality management system or a software, and uh, they are just checking that everything is available and that. With the documents or the content makes yeah. sense, if I can say so. And, and, uh, uh, and I think I should also make a point of that, that if you have implemented a standard system in a standard way, that's easier to validate instead of you, you started with a standard system and then you did a lot of custom coding. All those custom codings, you have to validate that individually uh, and, and kind of prove that it, uh, that it works. And you almost have to have a design control procedure around it since you are going into the development of software, actually. Okay. So uh, that's also why I, uh, I try to say to companies, well, you didn't go into this industry of medical devices to build a software. You wanted to build uh, a device. And uh, so if you want a system for QMS, then try to take something that's standard and just try to take something that is mature and whereas there's an easy process where there is a supplier that has a regulatory understanding so they can help you implement it and where you can spend your time on learning and instead of spending your time on making user requirements, designing system code, you don't want to go there. You don't have time for that. Only the big companies can afford to go in that direction. And I would say that most companies can easily uh, work inside uh, a standard QMF systems, and there are a lot of uh, of uh, the choices out there, actually. So um, one thing also that is dangerous uh, as soon as you start to customize a software or to have your own code uh, is sometimes if you don't have if you are a small company and you don't have the, the bigger structure as you mentioned with the uh, big companies uh, is the fact that the person that customized the software, the IT person that customized software, is maybe not doing that uh, in a conventional way or maybe uh, doing that correctly. But at the end, when this person is leaving and you have maybe another IT person coming, uh, then you are in trouble because they don't know exactly how to do that. They don't know how to change, how to update because it's something that is not kind of standard. So it's also important to, uh, to keep things standard because as soon as you customize, the person who has made this customization is kind of uh, really critical for your company if you want to keep this software uh, there. So it's really, uh, really important. Okay, so Jacob, is there something else related to validation or I think we really covered the, the topic now? I think we have a kind of uh, that 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 uh, that we have we have done uh, the program. Maybe I should say a little bit about some of the experiences about what I see on companies and how far they actually have been able to establish these kind of systems. And it is actually a little bit uh, sad to say that I see 
that it is mainly the big resourceful companies that has been able to uh, establish these kind of electronic systems. When I visit smaller mid-side companies, they have some kind of IT system, but they get audited on the paper records. So there are many, many companies out there that, uh, that have actually not started on uh, the journey. And uh, you can also say that, that there is a cost of this, actually. Uh, because, uh, as I mentioned in the first podcast, I, I think every company should start on paper, but at some point of time, they need to make this journey. Because uh, there are three, three kind of uh, consequences. Uh, first, uh, there's the loss of process, process efficiency. Um, everything is manual. So authoring, approving, versioning, retiring, archiving, everything you have to do on paper. And the regulation states that you have to have, keep at least one copy of every version that you have ever done. So that's, that's not doable. And what actually happens is that many companies don't get the audit trail established on some of their early records, which means that the proof of what have gone on in the early days is probably not there. And it will be very hard to actually do it. If you, if you start in, in a system, it's a built-in function that whatever change you do, it will record it. It will capture the exact date, who who uh, did what, and it will keep it forever. But since you don't have that, all this is kind of manual. It also means that process automation, like when you have an SLP where people have to acknowledge that they have read it and understood it, you're on your own. Every time there's a new version, you have to capture the proof that they've read it and understood it. Removing of, of historical uh, versions that are outdated, uh, you have to do that by hand. Referencing between the, the, uh, the record, searching, like you also pointed out earlier, well, just searching inside a file folder will mostly just meaning that you're searching on the file names. When you suddenly have it in a, a real system, it gives you a, a, whole, uh, a, a whole new kind of way. Uh, and you can also say that when you have a, a paper file structure, it's kind of one-dimensional uh, system that you have because you can only see your, your records in one way. You open up your file, there's an index, you can go that. When you have an electronic system, you can build views where you can see uh, and you can turn uh, the records around, you can see them uh, without duplicating uh, the record. But this is all not non-existing. And then uh, I will also make a reference to uh, the podcast you did together with Jason Lim from Singapore, I think. Yeah. He said that there's a risk of introducing two parallel worlds of one thing that's what is written in the procedure and another thing that's practiced. If you have an EQMS that is a practical Zoom that is aligned with the procedure, you have a higher uh, success rate of actually establishing that these two worlds are actually more united um, and and uh, i think that's very companies that are working in these manual systems are not compliant but the cost of compliance is higher because there's more hours involved in just record keeping and 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 and, and processes are just more time consuming when you have no automation and uh, sometimes also when you are making changes uh, understanding the scope of the change and what records need to be uh, changed as part of uh, some specific change can be very difficult if you're working in a very, very manual system. And then I must say that 
potential for making mistakes are higher when you are working in a manual system. Um, the record keeping of versioning, taking things out of archives and so on, well, it's, it's all manual and somebody has to do it. Uh, lack of overview of pending assignments that are not completed, you just don't, you're just not aware that that was not approved or there's a signature missing or something like that. Uh, references are wrong. Uh, and then just common misplacing uh, a record because when you have a paper archive, then often you will bring a folder out to your desk, open it up, and you will read some kind of, and suddenly when you come into an office and you see some kind of vital record just lying there on the table, you, you get these kind of thrills down your back saying, well, if I cannot find this, so just putting it in the wrong part of the index, and when you're sitting in the audit, you cannot find it. If you're working in an electronic system, you know, the records will stay there forever. No, it's great. And you, can, you, will, you will always find them. Yeah, it's great because um, I don't know if, yeah, maybe in the audience, if they already participated to some audits with some auditors, um, it can be a stressful situation, to be honest. It's like, uh, yes. can you find me this procedure? Can you find me this document? And uh, I remember my old time, really old time, when I came to the audit room with the binder, <laughs> open it in front of the auditor, looking at <laughs> where is the document he was looking for. Yes. and. Even at one point, as I had no experience, giving the document directly to him without reading that and finding yeah. the, the mistake inside or not was really... And, and, uh, and I will also say one thing regarding audits is that uh, when you have a paper archive, preparing for an audit is actually something where you have to set time off because you have to go through your paper records and make sure that everything is updated and in the, in the right place. If you have an electronic system, Having just FDA walking in from one day to another is actually possible because you are much more prepared because you know exactly. that if you, if you are kind of having the reviews and closing down your records where you are evaluating that they are in the right place, that means also when you get back to it next time, they will be in the right place and you will have an overview that any pending activity has been closed. No, I think it's really a, a great point. And uh, I remember to the people that, uh, so you are the CEO of Simpler QMS, uh, which is an EQMS solution uh, that is also helping medical device companies. So you are really uh, trying to translate all what is in terms of the regulations uh, to your system so that it can really uh, help manufacturers, help them to not lose time, to really go quickly to the to the point. And as you mentioned, we are, I mean, medical device manufacturers are mainly here with the objective to manufacture and to sell products. They are not here to really uh, try to manage all these uh, administrative burdens. Uh, so this is something that you can help them to to remove and to uh, to uh, and to be on the on the right uh, right place. Um, so Jacob, you also last episode uh, just as a reminder. Last episode you um, provided um, a giveaway, so some just uh, a kind of a small presentation about the the topic we discussed today about the episode. So. Um, you will do the same uh, for this one. So mainly discuss, provide also a giveaway. So I will put that also on the, on the show notes. Yes. Yeah, you can say that the, the things that, we, that we're offering is that there is a checklist for establishing a EQMS. And we also offer a workshop together with any company uh, that would like to have kind of uh, try to define a scope. How can they actually get started to establish an EQMS?
Okay, great. So thank you. Thank you for that. So you just have to, uh, to answer, uh, to write him an email and just mention Easy Medical Device uh, so that he knows that uh, you are coming from this episode. Um, okay, Jacob. So I think really uh, we had really great information here. I hope now with those two episodes, so this week and last week episode, um, if people have a project to implement an EQMS, then they know now how to do that or what are the phases they have to follow and also uh, about validation, how to validate validate an EQMS and how to uh, present that uh, to an auditor. So what exactly are the deliverables or documents that they have to present to an auditor? So Jacob, then uh, I really thank you. Uh, I also uh, said that people can find you directly on LinkedIn or at simplerqms.com. And I yeah. think you can directly answer their question if you, they have also a question there. Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. So thank you, Jacob, then. And I wish you a nice day. Take care. Bye-bye.